0: Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills
1: Welcome to another episode, a live episode of Goose Chicks Podcast, an all-women-led show focused on the band Goose and the community that supports them. We are so excited today. Uh, One of our dreams is coming true. I'm going to pull the girls right on stage because I want to talk about that part of this before our guest joins us. Hey, everyone. Chelsea, Hannah, Alexia, how are you doing?
2: So good. So excited right now. I'm good.
3: I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. your day of school starting back in uh, my brain. I feel like I'm, I'm starting back with them.
1: <laughs> I love so. it. I love it. I know. Back to school already down here in North Carolina for sure. Well, today we're really excited. We have an extra special guest. Goose's tour manager, Sam King, is joining us in just a few minutes. I wanted to just talk about why we're so excited. The very first meeting the four of us had to talk about doing this show at all, Sam King was the one person that all of us were just determined to speak to and so excited. So I just wanted to really just go around the um, horn real quick and just like, what? why was that important for each of you? Hannah, I want to start with you.
4: So I guess for me, um, I don't, I, growing up, I didn't see a lot of girls and women in positions of power, especially in the music industry. So anytime I see that representation now, I geek out. And then also just thinking about, like, the little, like, tween teenage girls, like Alexius's daughter's age, like, at shows, and knowing that they see that representation, I'm like, dang, like, they're going to grow up and be tour managers or boss bitches or whatever. So,
2: yeah.
1: I love it. Chelsea, what about you?
2: Yeah, I think when we were talking about the show, a lot of it was about highlighting women's voices. And um, the fact that a woman is, you know, Goose's tour manager was just huge to us. And just like, we see these amazing women doing amazing things and wanting to highlight that. So I'm super excited to hear more from Sam about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Lex, how about you?
3: Definitely, um, the same thing that Hannah and Chelsea were saying, um, definitely having daughters and, you know, wanting to show them that we can do this, that we can follow our dreams and, um, just being a photographer back there and just seeing that there is not much of a female representation. And if there is a female representation, most of the time it's behind, like way, way, way behind the scenes. And um, so that was always very important with me was that we can do this, that we can all help each other, you know. And I think that's a great thing about Sam is that she is, She's very open to, you know, to uh, different things that I've read that, you know, about how that she does things and um, and how just talking to people and just trying and making those connections with different people and just seeing how that we can do it and that there's someone out there that can be a mentor towards us. And um, it's just very exciting. Sam is, a, is an amazing person. She's very quiet. You don't hear much about, you know, you don't hear, you don't see much. And so I'm very excited to be able to get Sam and, you know, and it just be Sam and it not be anyone else with her, you know, it just be, let's be all Sam because she is a bad ass bitch. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I mean, think about it. She has all those guys, everyone else. And like, everyone answers to Sam. Mm-hmm. Sam is the woman. <laughs> you know, yeah, so
1: that we call this show Big Boss Energy because that's for me, you know, watching Sam work at shows is so um, inspiring because she leads with such confidence but also such you know, compassion. I can just see how much she cares for everyone and but also like she's moving with a purpose and, you know, command and and direct command of everything. It's really a beautiful thing to watch. Well, let me just do a quick intro and then we'll bring Sam right on. Sam's first experiences in the music industry were in artist management working for up-and-coming artists was the only way to gain traction to stay. Of the curve, she began tour managing her sophomore year at the University of Southern California, doing coursework on flights between shows. By graduation, she had years of experience in artist management, complemented by a growing knowledge of tour management. Since then, she's traveled across the globe delivering full production shows and flawless hospitality. She has also developed her own style of artist hospitality and has been recruited by festivals, venues, and artists of every genre. Her diverse experience gives her a 360 degree understanding of an event and allows her to create the best possible experience for everyone, going the extra mile and exceeding expectations for artists. Crew and fans alike. Sam has been Goose's tour manager since 2021, has worked with acts like Spaffers, Skrillex, John Anderson of Yes, and many more. Welcome to Goose Chicks Podcast, Sam King. Hey, Sam.
5: Hey, how's it going?
1: Thanks so much for joining us. As you could hear before you jumped on, we are all really, really excited. It's been, it's like a culmination of a dream we've all had for such a long time. So thank you. I know you're super busy and we're so excited to have you here. So thank you. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Um, How are you doing? How are you doing today?
5: I'm great. Yeah. I, uh, we were chatting earlier, but I just got back from some, you know, personal travels, not work travels, so just trying to catch up on the work side of it now again as well, but yeah, it's been nice to have some time off, you know, we've been slammed the whole first half of the year, so it's nice. I was going to
1: say, you haven't had a chance to breathe, so I'm glad you got to take some personal time, that's amazing. So
3: where were you? How did you say the name of that? Like, all those pictures were just insanely gorgeous.
5: Yeah, I went and hiked in the Dolomites for a week, um, which is like the Italian Alps. Um, and so I went with my, you know, good friends from college and just ate and hiked and didn't try to open my computer at all. So, oh, so it's it, yes. Yes. Love
1: it, love it. amazing. So as we heard in your bio, you know, just how early you got started in your professional career, which is amazing, but just to pull back a little, um, cause as Lex says, you know, a lot of folks may not know too much about you. So we're excited to let people learn a little more about, about who you are. Wh- where did you grow up and like, what are some of your earliest live music memories?
5: Yeah. So I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, And it's funny because there's like now there's more of a scene, but there really wasn't like a live music scene when I was growing up. We had like one venue, Riverbend, and it was like Rascal Flatts and Wiz Khalifa every year. And that was like (laughs) it. So I went to those. But um, yeah, I didn't go to a ton of concerts growing up. And we had this, my kind of plan of like escaping Cincinnati and and I really wanted to get to LA. It was like to do to help like not known artists kind of like be in front of a stage. Cause we had this um, like free concert series downtown that I would go to cause it was free and like being a high school student, I didn't have a lot of money. So I would go and see like these mashup artists and like Cam Meekins and Hoodie Allen, like all these like kind of like young rappers. And yeah. so I wanted to go to LA and like find a way to get like artists in front of people and fans kind of like how they did in Cincinnati. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to do anything I could to get to L.A. And then once I got to L.A., I, there was a huge music scene there. So then I went to tons of shows and got really into the electronic scene and, yeah, really dove in there. But, like, yeah. young me was like, oh, I want live music, but there's not a lot of it. And so, yeah, kind of found my way there.
1: Another Ohio uh, <laughs> resident, or
3: you know, yeah, so My- sick though. Like you know, an Ohio girl going to Cali, and I'm gonna do this because you know we East Coasters are made fun of a lot. You know, or oh, we're not made fun of, but just like the difference between the East Coast and West Coast, and how you went out there and you did it. You know, and that's always the. That's always super exciting to, because people don't believe in you. I've figured that out through photography. Like you have this dream and you have this vision of what you want to do. And then, you know, people are, they'll say that they're supporting you, but it's not as, you know, you're excited, you're talking about these things and then, um, And then they're just like, eh, okay. And then once you get there, they're like, oh, you did it. I can't believe you did it. So did you have any kind of experiences like that? Like, you know, was your family like full supportive or, you know, was it back and
5: forth on that? Yeah, I mean, they... They've always been super supportive. They didn't really understand like what I did, but I also kind of started it in college, and and they didn't really come to a show until I mean, like, because it was electronic, they weren't going to come to a one a.m. club show. So they didn't. They came when I was like, I think they got it when I they came to my first show when I was tour manager for John Anderson. Because I was like, oh, this is this is your speed. You can come out and you know it's (laughs) early show, and they love coming to Goose shows now too, and they like. They're just, they're great. Cause they'll just like, um, as you guys have probably seen me at a show, I'm just like constantly going and I'm like, I can't speak to you. So they'll just sit backstage and kind of watch me like do your thing. So <laughs> I think they get it now, but yeah, I mean, it's always been kind of like a, what what do you do? You just go and party at shows. I'm like, oh you don't you
3: don't get That's it? That's what everyone thinks. Oh yeah, you're partying at shows and you're like, yeah, not not yeah. at the show, maybe later, maybe yeah. a little bit. Um And actually, like when you're on tour for so long, it's exhausting. That's not actually a part that you know you might throw. You might have a party here and there, just celebration, but it's definitely not something that's happening every single night. Like there's definitely that misconception. I mean, you're at work,
1: right? (laughs) It's fun for us, but you're you're actively working, and it seems like a pretty all-encompassing position to have with so much under your purview can you tell us a little bit about how you started working for goose?
5: Yeah, I, um, so coming out of COVID actually. So I started working with them in 2021, um, in May, and it was kind of like they were jumping up and going into bus touring and they kind of just needed someone that had experience with that. Um, and so I got connected with their manager through a girl that I had worked with previously on a different tour, which is like how most job you get most jobs in the industry is like word of mouth. Um, And so I interviewed with him and then interviewed with the band and then, yeah, headed off and started a couple weeks later. So it was a very quick turnaround and onboarding and getting up to speed. And I had had never heard of a jam band. And so it was a lot of like learning and growth um, to start.
1: Wow. That sounds like almost breakneck speed. Um, What was that adjustment like? And what did you think of the jam band scene as you started getting, you know, immersed in all of us wild, crazy people out. <laughs>
5: yeah. Um, I, the hardest thing for me, like still to this day about, and now you know, it took me a while to learn, figure out the songs. Cause you know, it's like, we're in minute eight of a song. And I'm like, is this still, I don't know. You
0: know? <laughs> and
5: I remember on like the, when we did the tab tour, like I, cause we would have Trey come and sit in with us every night. And I would have to make sure he was there ready to walk on at that time. And they're like, okay, well, it was coming out, out like after so ready. And It's like, okay, well, it's been so, like, I just, like, didn't, I couldn't, I I always had him there, like, five to ten minutes early and then felt bad because then he was waiting, but I'm like, you know, so it's, like, the timing took me so (laughs) long to figure out and, like, learning the songs, but, yeah, I think that, um like, onboarding onto any team, it's, like, especially the crew until that point had been together for, you know, a a very long time and, like, Mm -hmm. done this crazy growth together, so it was, like, acclimating and also, like, becoming accepted and, you know, getting this like growth or, uh, you know, leadership position where people Mm -hmm. trusted what I had to say and the plans I had and all that. So it was like, a, you know, dive in with a plan and strategy, but also like taking the time to like learn personalities and make sure everyone kind of like, you know, is in sync and yeah, that can be a long process as well. Mm. Yeah.
2: Chelsea. Yeah. General workplace adjustments you know really um but you're talking a little bit about that they grew before you even started but since then in 2021 there's also been tremendous growth with the band so what would you say is uh, most different when you're thinking about to when you first started till now
5: um I mean sheer size I guess like we've added you know when I started we were like one bus and a Penske truck and one of our crew guys was driving it. And now we're up to two buses and two trucks and, have, yeah. you know, added a good amount of crew. And so it's, you know, the role itself stays pretty similar, but like the people that, you know, you're delegating to different people and you're working with new people and having to grow according to what you need. So we've added some like key crew members that have made things easier and made People more like honed in on their roles, um which has been, you know, nice. But yeah, I think just like size of shows and guest lists and all that. Um,
2: just like everything scaled up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm picturing like a little tree underneath you when you started, and then like just this Im- immense, yeah. like that the tree's just like grown so many more branches and yet still all reporting to you. So, um, I just commend you for even managing that process for the band, because that's a that's a tricky place for a lot of artists to be in, you know, managing that growth and hitting the expectation of the fans, but also growing in a way that's sustainable for the crew. So kudos to you, because you made it look pretty darn easy out here, um, you know. Can
4: I ask a dumb question? if <laughs> If the growth becomes so big... It, do touring parties have multiple tour managers? Like, how would that work if, yeah?
5: Yeah, so it's basically, um, you kind of just keep, like, delegating even more and more. So, you know, a huge-scale tour may have, like, a tour director and then a tour manager under them. But, like, as it it grows, and we're kind of, like, getting to a, a, this point here, is, like, if the band and the crew starts moving separately, then it's, like, I would kind of have, like, a right-hand that's handling all the crew movements and that's a position I've had before on the road as like a production coordinator, um, of, you know, that person is at the venue with the crew handling their movements so that like the tour manager can be with the band. So you kind of like, we'll split it off that way. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean like, you know, huge level acts would have like a tour director, tour manager, road manager who's just dealing with the artist and their posse production coordinator, you know, you can have like, heads of all these different departments that are then like having more responsibility. So, you know, you look at, like, even in our growth and like people that we've added, we've gotten, you know, more people under the lighting subset. So then like Getty has more people reporting to him and then like audio. So then like Eric, like it's like people have their own little trees that keep growing as well. Mm-hmm. So that's
1: so cool. Excellent. Lex, well, I knew you were running to talk about something you saw in that Grateful Dead doc with Sam.
3: Sorry, it was muted. So um yes, I did. So last night I was watching the and I've watched it a few times, but you know, that uh last night I was watching the Grateful Dead um what's it called? Um I can't, I can't remember, but it's, it's on Amazon. I think it's like long road ahead or, and so I was watching that for the thousandth time. And so the Grateful Dead manager, Sam, or tour manager, Sam Coulter was talking about um, how being a a tour manager was like um, taking everything and everything that's thrown in your direction and everything that everyone needs, that that's your job, that basically you are the, it's more than just getting the venues and doing this that you have to make sure every single person's um, every single person's uh, thing is met. And so our, need is met and then also for the band so not only are you trying to do what's right for the band but you're also having to bring in get the get the band members on board with it you know and because certain ones will have different attitudes and and you know like well I don't think that's important for this and you know then another one might be like well yeah this is important and so he was talking about how it took him 18 months to get them to even do a you know a a photo and he's like guys you don't understand like you, you know we need a photo and so um and because it was so important and so that and he said it was such a task and so after 18 months he finally convinces them to do that and I just I was like wow you know just the little things that we don't see that you have to do and that you're trying to get done and then all the other people that you're talking with and, you know, trying to get those things done, but, um, so uh, let's see. So finally, he convinces them, and uh, and then I don't know if y'all know this story about how like they really didn't want cameramen there and stuff. So no one, uh, no one told the crew not to drink the not to drink the anything, <laughs> not to drink or eat anything from the dead. And uh, so it was a really funny. Um, their first documentary was really funny, and I know Goose Goose isn't like that, won't do that, but do you have like a funny story that you could share or something, you know, something that's been difficult for you to try and get all of them to come on board or, or just like a funny story of, um, of the guys in your position and trying to get them to get, convince them that it's their idea. And it's a great, it's a great (laughs) idea that they should do it. Cause that's, tends to be my experience with men is that if it's our idea, it's not a good one, but if they come up with it, it's a great one, you know? So is that like something that you have to, that you have to deal with or, you know, what's been your, what's been your biggest obstacle or a funny story
5: with the band? Uh, I think my biggest like constant struggle, which probably is not a surprise to anyone that goes to shows is getting them on stage on time. Um, <laughs> it's been like every tour, it's a conversation and it's like, okay, well we're going to like, because it's, it's not only, you know, the fans, but it's local crew and it's right. telling the promoter and it's, tell, it's, it's like there's a schedule yeah. and it's like the being in this position and like any position where you're kind of working with like a creative and an artist, it's like, okay, let's look at like the venue and we're here to do a show and all this, but you're also like, they need to be in the right headspace and like the set list and they want to, you, yeah. know, you know, they're going on stage in a good, like mind. Mm-hmm. And so, it's like this balance of like okay, ten minutes, and then like okay, well the set list is like not they're still talking about it, and then it's like okay, like ten minutes, like <laughs> we go. And so the soft ten minutes,
1: the hard ten minutes. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. And it's just like this, like all the it's just this running joke with the crew too, because uh, you know it's and it's it's never really been like uh we have to shorten the show because we're cutting up against like the band like gets it and they do like really care and it's. Oh, when it yeah. is like a, when it's they're going on late, it's like there's a reason and it's the set list or whatever. But it's just I my I'm so time oriented and like you know, you, get, you have to be to sure. Yes. so and and I think it's personally I think it's getting better and festival sets are always But yeah, it's just it's been a hilarious thing that who's, who's
1: always ready, there. who's always ready first, Sam? I have I have an inkling, but I'm curious what the answer <laughs> oh, is. Oh good
4: question.
5: Ben is always ready. I knew. It. <laughs> I, yeah, I knew. Just
1: standing there waiting for everybody to come. Back.
5: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I mean, yeah, it's kind of like. Well, it's funny because like it'll. It sometimes we'll switch, and it's like everyone's ready, and then it's like someone disappeared to pee, and I don't know where they are. Someone, you know, it's like right. five different cats. But yeah, it's uh, it's that's just a funny thing that you know that's just never going to change. Yeah. This.
4: <laughs> this is. I,
3: I've accepted what has happened. I think that was yeah. probably the, the thing that I noticed the most about being backstage at residence was that, you know, you were keeping eyes on like each one of them and, you know, you'd have your mic and you'd be like, okay, five minutes, everyone, you know, and I've got this one. We're walking this way. Everyone be on this side. We're ready to go, you know, five, four, three, and you'll, and just, so, you can definitely see that that's a time thing. And we as fans know, like, we're, or we should know that that is a thing that getting in the right headspace, because even us as fans, like, waiting the anxiety that comes of just like, oh, um, some people take it way overboard and like, I've got to get in this spot and this spot. And I mean, their head will just be blown off if they don't get the exact right spot. So I guess that that's definitely something that, um, Definitely something that we understand and should, you know, should understand and think about more often. And I know that you feel the pressure on that because you're like, this is my job, guys. You're making me look bad. Like, stop
1: it. Well, you know, it's like you talked about delegating. It's like one of the things delegated to you is time management. So, of course, you know, it's so they don't have to worry about it. They have you doing that worrying for them um, so they can do all the other stuff that they do, which is significant. And, um, I can only imagine when they met, she was like a huge weight, was just like, oh yeah, Sam's going to, she's going to get us straight. She's going to get us together. So I just <laughs> can just imagine the like breath of, of fresh air and just like sigh of relief, like, whoa, this thing's feeling unwieldy. We don't really have a full tight handle on things. And then here you come to kind of put everything in line. Uh, Hannah, I wanted to turn to you.
4: Um, I still think though that this conversation um, sort of just speaks to my theory, which is that boys take way longer to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time when I'm at shows, it's with a big group of guys that um, I've been friends with since college. And like, I'm always sitting there waiting for them. And I'm like, you guys, like doors are already open, you know, like we're going to get there in the middle of set one. So um, I feel your struggle, but maybe not as nearly as much pleasure. <laughs> um, so my question that I um, have been thinking about is you lead a crew as tour manager and it's mostly men. Right. And so, um, has that always been the case throughout your career?
5: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I think the music industry in general and like specifically live music and touring is like very male dominated. Um, and it's, I think I a lot of tours I've been like, it's either just me or me and one other girl. Um, Mm, and like, you know, you're not only just like working with all men, you're like sleeping and like living in a confined Space with all men. So it's like it's definitely like the energy is there. Um (laughs) but yeah, I mean I've gotten really lucky and just like having great like guys and great men who like are supportive and understanding and like considerate because like that's like the cleanliness and like all that. Um I think like being in a shared space is like people kinda get it. Um and I've also been like really lucky in like learning from like my my two kind of like mentors and people that brought me up were like really badass girls in the music industry and like commanded respect. And like, they, you know, taught me a lot about like you have to walk in with confidence and like not, you know, overcompensate and like what, you know, so that the confidence comes through and like no one can really sell you short. And so Mm. I think like those two things combined, um, 'Cause like a lot of people that I've like heard stories from have had like different experiences that like wore them down and not so great experiences with like male figures in the industry. And so I've gotten pretty lucky and who I've worked with.
3: Mm. I think yeah, you've so. also worked hard for that though, like reading the El Times um article and what you have uh what you have done of you know Uh, this is one thing that I love like you know just cold calling people just giving it you know like hey I would like to know about this I'm gonna try and you know see if I can get a cup of coffee with this person and learn some from them and a lot of people don't do that and there are so many people that are willing to sit down and geek out with everyone and just yes they won't they want that positivity. When you have good things in your life, you will you want to share that with others. And so, I thought that was really cool to read about how that you know, and that you still too to this day, you know, that you still reach out to people and want to learn more about people. And I think that that also makes a better a better person in general, a better manager, a better, I think Tim Getty and the girls and I were talking about it one night about how the, you know, that even when Getty's off, you know, that you're off tour that he's going to Nashville or someplace and, you know, going in lighting and checking out, you know, just trying to improve what he's doing, you know, how he can improve it over time. And so, um, and what you're doing, band—you know—bandwise, band connections are huge, and I think that's such a, such an inspirational thing that you got this done by sophomore year of college. So you don't have to answer this at all or anything. But did you? did you end up graduating or did you just know so much by that point that you're just like, all right, thank you so much. College
5: peace. I got a lot of connections and I'm out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I sticked with it. Um, and graduated. and, And honestly, like when I graduated, I'd been touring for like two years, but I didn't really know much at all. Like within the grand scheme of like everything. Cause I had been with, you know, done the electronic scene and not done like a full bus tour yet. We were just doing, like I was doing fly dates, Thursday to Sunday, basically. Mm. So I would do class Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, fly out for the weekend and do club shows, college shows, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so it was like busy, and but... To,
1: and then back at school Monday.
5: Yeah. Wow. And then, uh, yeah. That's, and then that's after, intense
1: oh, for two years, Sam. That's like...
5: Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was hectic, but I mean, I was also lucky. I switched into the music industry program at USC and they were super like understanding of, you know, making it work with my schedule because I was mm-hmm. out in the world doing it. Um And that was like a big thing as well. But yeah, I mean, I was like, I I mean, I'm still learning a lot. Like I, you know, I did not, I ended up like working for this DJ for a while and then kind of leaving because I kind of got to a point where I was like, I need to go and like learn more and, you know, feel like I'm growing still. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
5: Hannah?
4: Oh, um... I love what you said about um, like just having that confidence. I met you once at a show. You probably don't remember it at all, but you had so much confidence. So I can just say that like you exude that. Um, but I always tell my students because I'm a professor. I always tell them like when we're talking about gender and stuff like that, that women should you know try like basically act like you're a middle-aged white dude. You know what I mean? Have that confidence and just go in there like you own the room. Um, But I was just curious, like, because you talked about the female mentors that you had. So I kind of had two questions. One, um, were there any women in this field that you admired, like, when you were growing up, like, sort of to see that representation? Because we were talking earlier about how representation really matters in male-dominated fields. And then you kind of touched on this a little bit, but if there's any specific challenges you or your friends have experienced as a woman in a male-dominated field like this. And also one that's, like, I would imagine it's a little competitive and like cutthroat to, to get these positions.
5: Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean, growing up, like I didn't really know that this was like a role, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Like I didn't know yeah. much about tour managing when I was like young or anything. And then when I, you know, I was like working shows when I was like 19 and 20 and I was like this young girl. And like, it was all like, it's funny. Cause there's this, kind of like gap in tour managers. And there's like a ton of like amazing, like have been doing it for a while, like tour managers in like mid thirties to like forties, uh, like now. And so they were like young thirties to mid thirties when I was like that age. And they're all super tight knit and like, you know, a lot of guys and they just like kind of hit each other for ideas. And so I noticed like, cause I was doing EDM shows and we were opening for a bunch of different artists. And I just like kept seeing this people that knew each other in this group. And I, I like, it felt so hard to break into and like Mm -hmm. relate to anyone. Yeah. And so, you know, even like, and so I actually, and I, I, there was no one like my age really doing it. And so I had this, like this girl that I was kind of like assisting that I was a, that was a tour director. And she, you know, like she helped me and taught me a bunch of stuff and, Like I even like recently, like I still just felt like that there was that gap. And like, even, you know, up until like two years ago, I was like, there's this really tight group and I'm friends with some of them, but like never really like in that posse or group.
1: Mm -hmm.
5: Yeah. And I actually had coffee with, um, one of the, like an amazing tour manager who's like been doing it for the biggest names, like in the world and. He was like yeah there is this like huge gap there's like people that are our age and then there's like not many people that are like your age and like around there and doing it and like he named a couple of like my friends and it's like you guys need to like stick together and like form that thing because like we took all the jobs and like you know there wasn't that many people that like came into this industry because like there wasn't that many jobs around and so mm-hmm. I think like one of my like things that I want to do now is like keep finding these people that are like around my age because it is easier to connect to and you have the same like life struggles and like you know outside of work kind of things going on and so I think that it's not only like the the female thing but the age thing was always like a big you know felt like a gap for me
1: in terms of like what Challenges that that exists in the industry now versus when some of those older folks were coming up. You all have a unique perspective of just like how the industry is moving, what's happening, because you're you've been living through it. So yeah, that's exciting to think of like this younger generation or newer generation of tour managers kind of linking arms and being like, yeah, we're gonna get our stuff together and we're going to have our own you know best practices and ways of connecting and sharing um information so
5: that's exciting. Yeah, I think of course. Yeah.
1: You you'd be uh, right on that. That's so fantastic. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I think also like a something that like is really important for like younger people that want to do it and like came out of covid was like it used to be so closed off with like sharing any information or like mm-hmm. you know talking to people like And over COVID, like, all these touring people didn't have anything to do. And so all these, like, there was this awesome podcast and, like, YouTube series that was, like, all about tour management. And these awesome people came on, and people just, like, became more open and, like, willing to share information. And even now there's, like, I'm in, like, a group chat with, like, all these tour managers and production managers. And just people are, like, it, like, made people come together more. Because I think, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's easy to, like think work is like your whole life. And then when that's stripped away, you're like, Oh, like I don't have actual like connections with these people, you know? So it's like, I think that now the barrier to entry is like maybe lowered a bit because one, there's all this information out there now. And two, like a lot of people left after COVID and like a lot, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people looking for positions now because everyone You know, everyone started touring again. Again, Yeah, it's like the
1: floodgates opened. And I think even more, we've we've been talking on the show a lot about feels like those are JamaSons happening right now, um, in large part due to Goose and certainly um, relevant. and that it just seems like there's so many acts out there um, on tour right now and how beautiful it is, how lucky we are as fans to get to be able to see so much amazing music right now. But you did. Thanks for the um, tea up there for my next question. (laughs) Uh, We know how all encompassing goose is for all of us as fans. We can only imagine the large place that the band takes up in your life. What are some ways you've been able to kind of sneak in some sort of goose life balance for yourself?
5: Yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause I, we, I just sat on a panel at summer camp and they asked the same question and it was like, you know, earlier on this year. And this is actually something that I like have struggled with and like have like really made an effort to work on is like just in general work life balance. Um, and like, I think, you know, cause being freelance, like if I'm not touring or like doing work, like you're, you don't have income coming in. And so I previously like, you know, in the last two years, was doing remote tour management for other acts and was doing, we're doing festivals and working shows and like out just trying to like come home and keep working. And I never really like took a mental break. Um, and I got to a point last year that I just like fully burnt out. And so I think that like now I'm just like trying to make an effort to like actually disconnect when I come home. Cause it's so easy to just like, all right, we're done with summer tour let's start advancing fall. Let's start booking hotels. Let's start, you know, like there's always the next thing. And so I think that like being like, okay, no, I'm going to take a breath and like go travel or go do something personal and like not work for a sec is like so important to just like refresh. And so I'm like, definitely it's like, you know, making an active effort to like not be stressed out and like actually allow yourself to relax is, I mean, important for everyone, but like easy and, this industry to just, like, wear yourself down. Yeah.
1: Do you have, like, this is a side question, but do you have, like, tour nightmares? Do you dream about shows? Like, what are some ways in which this sort of, like, (laughs) sneaks into your subconscious life a little bit? I just (laughs) been thinking about how stressed I would be just around the time management piece. So does that happen? Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, on the road, like, I'm always waking up, like, what could go wrong today? And, Mm -hmm. like, bus stops were broken down. What do I do? You know, it's, it's like constantly being on. And so I think when I come home, it's hard to switch that off. And so I'll wake up and be like, okay, I need to advance these three things that I haven't heard back from this person. And like this hotel rate is going to be more expensive in two days. It's like, my brain is just insane in that way. And so it's like trying to, yeah, turn it off because on the road, like you, you are always on. And like, if I, at any moment if something goes wrong, it's like on you to exit
1: to figure out what needs yes. to be done. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it's,
5: like realizing when you're home, it's like okay, well, this person doesn't need to hear from me in the next five minutes. Like they'll be okay if they hear from me in like an hour.
3: Exactly, so like, or tomorrow they'll be okay if they hear and. I I completely agree with you. That's, and I'm so thankful that you brought, you know, that Leslie, you asked the question that, you know, that that was brought up because that's something that I think that all of us are having a difficulty with that, that I've seen in the Jamly, you know, of how do we balance life, you know, life, work, all of these things. And, um, one thing that I have found is I put my phone on do not disturb for, at least 10 hours a day. So that way at nighttime, I'm able to get sleep without my phone pinging and dinging. And then when I wake up in the morning that I can wake up refreshed and not having a thousand, you know, miss, Oh, you miss this. Oh, you miss this. Oh, you miss this. And because those anxieties that are just so, so in there. And now it's just now with, technology being at our hands all the time and then work being able to get in touch with us it's like it never ends and so i i think that that's very important and i appreciate you saying that and and saying how important that it is to disconnect and for a little bit that everyone will be okay they can wait they can wait that few minutes. That's something in this time that everyone feels that we have to give an, an answer immediately. And if you think back about it, in nineteen twenties, if someone proposed to someone, it took them. You know, they'd be like, "Okay, get back to me." You know, and it might take them two or three months to answer the question. Like they never expected the answer immediately because they needed to think through it. And I think that that's caused a lot of. Anxieties in our lives. And I think that there's a lot of things that we can all work together on to try and lessen these instead of the technology coming over. But um, so I don't know how much more time that we have left, but um, um, a
1: little bit of time left, I think. Okay. I cool. Chelsea, I know you had a next question. Yes. Sorry. Yes.
2: Yeah, so, <laughs> um, On Instagram, so I saw this post you posted a while back, and it was during tour. um, And I think Leslie's going to pull it up, but there was two moods. And so there's two different photos that go with it, if we have it. Um, But on the one, you have sunglasses that say check master tour on them. And we are wondering, um, what's the story behind that?
5: Yeah, so master was basically this like... um, it's, it's like a standard across music and across touring. Um, and it's basically like how I get all the information to everyone on the road. Um, so I basically, you know, reach out to venues and getting like all this hotels, ground transport, and I put it all into this app on my computer and then everyone has it on their phones and you pull it up and it has the schedule, where you're staying, like what time you need to be in the venue, bus call. Like I basically try to like, any question that someone could have, it, like you can find the answer there. Um, And so it's kind of this like running joke of like, if someone comes to ask me a question, I'm like, okay, like, did you check master tour? And like, (laughs) because if it's, if I was answering all these questions all day, like I would, I mean, I need to actually do work. And so it's like, if I don't, you know, it's like a time and place if like, it's actually like someone just doesn't have time to check, then it is what it is. But yeah, I think that it's kind of a running joke of like, I, I make a big effort to put all the information there. So like, do you want to check that first and then come and tell me if you still have a question?
0: I
2: love that. I love That's, that. <laughs> That's what I thought it was when I saw it. I was like, I think this is, you know, exactly what you just said. And I'm like, that is such a relatable, just like workplace thing totally. for, especially for people yeah. that are like managing others or like, you know, coordinating things where it's like, it's all there. It's all there. Just look, just look. So I thought that was fun that um you have glasses that say that because that's such a mood. <laughs> yeah. I would be like all the time just like wearing them. Come on. Come on. <laughs>
1: yeah. In fact, I say that to my husband, he'll he'll be like, I can't find this thing. I'll go, if I find it, can I punch you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right one more time. Let me check again. Yeah, check again because um it's where I told you. Um,
3: yeah. I cannot what? remember what Ving told me that you were the best tour manager that they had ever dealt with because you made sure that everything was you know, weeks before you got everything, you got everything planned out, made sure everything was good. And then as you got closer, making sure like as vegan food, as you know, what's this and what's the best thing? And so you were literally every single little teeny tiny logistic that you were making sure that you had, and you were the logistical master.
1: (laughs) Speaking um, of logistics, so so much is coming up for Goose. Fall tours, like around the corner, Europe, Goose Mess, maybe a new album or two, who knows. Um, How long does it take you to plan out these tours as tour manager? Like, for example, when did you start putting your mind around what's going to happen in November in Europe and what do like the early stages of the processes look like for you?
5: Yeah, I think it, it's largely dependent on kind of like the, <clears throat> if think it's just like a normal U.S. tour or like a big show or like Europe is a different animal. Sure. Um, cause like normal U.S. tour, it's pretty plug and play. Like we're carrying all our own gear, two buses, two trucks. I mean, you pretty much have to reach out to get buses like a year out. So as soon as I get dates, like I'm mm-hmm. getting buses, um,
1: a year out, really, Sam. They're they're yeah. that Post,
5: quickly. Post COVID, to get wow, wow. like a good company and like a good, you know, a decent bus is you have to get it pretty far. You know, it depends. Like summer, yes. Like yeah, it yeah. depends on the time of year. Um, but you know, in, in a big show like a Goose Miss, it's like where we're not on tour and we have to bring in production and we have to, you know, hire more crew or whatever. It's like I, I could be involved before the show is even like confirmed to make sure. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we're going to need, and they would bring in like like Eric, who's our production manager, and they'd be like, "How much are we going to need in, in PA and lighting, so that they can like negotiate the deal correctly?" Um, and so that'll often happen for like you know a big headline show, big festival. Um, Europe was like, okay, we need to like completely like blank slate because mm-hmm. you know it's smaller stages, not as much production, f- taking all our gear versus renting it there, and. So it was like, I didn't, you know, I had to look at it and even be like, are we going to be at a bus? Are we going to be in splitter vans? Can we take train? You know, so it's like, I had to figure all of that out to even just like secure a bus. And then, mm-hmm. so I've reached out to venues. I mean, I must've started in like February or March before, yeah. you know, anything was announced or anything like that. Just to like, like, how are we going to do this on this scale within these parameters? Like how many people are we going to need for, how, you know, what size vehicle? And so that was like a different, you know, once we do it once and then grow from there, it'll be more kind of like the U.S. touring, but just doing that for the first time and like how we can, we have a lot of stuff. And so like, how are we going to make it fit basically is the typical question for this yeah. band.
1: I mean, there's a lot of stuff on that stage. I mean, honestly, between yeah. Jeff and Peter alone, I can't, I mean... So just the sheer number of instruments that end up on the stage uh, amongst the five uh guys is significant. So yeah. We're, I'm excited for Europe. So it's gonna be a good time. lecture like your music. Yeah. Go ahead though.
3: Not even what's on the stage. I mean, like, you know, what's back with Eric and Getty and all like, you know, all the other things. It's just boxes on boxes on boxes. And, you know, it's just, it's absolutely insane and you know just how much stuff that y'all have and then thinking about how small the little european (laughs) vans are and are their buses and so it's just like oh we're gonna have to double you know this for that and um and very uh that, so I do have one question. Do you have a show like um like I have a show wife that I go to shows with and you know, obviously we know that I'm married and everything, but do you have a, a show um a show spouse or a show, uh, I think it was, I think Eric and I were talking one night and he's like, you know, he's like, Getty's my show husband or my my work husband and stuff. So do you have that with your your crew or are you just single and on your own and running it all?
5: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's, It's like, it's a tricky line to balance. It's like, you have to kind of like be able to, you can have these great connections and great friendships, but at the end of the day, like if someone needs to change what they're doing or like do something, you know, you're still need to have that respect. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's like, I have really great relationships with a lot of the crew and band, but it's, you know, still having that line of like, okay, but this is the, these are the roles. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had in previous like tour management, I, like I was tour manager, day-to-day manager, personal assistant for someone. And it just got to be too much of like, we were also great friends and hanging out outside. And it was like, okay, there's this line is not here anymore. And like, I don't feel like I have like the respect or not respect, but like, it's just not, doesn't feel like a, that role. The boundaries so think, are being crossed. No, yeah, yeah. I think the bound, like you can, I have great friends on the road. Um, but like having that boundary there is very important.
3: So note to note to everyone, keep your boundaries. That's why I'm always I'm always trying to say I'm like, you know, and especially in our group and thankfully we're really good about that. Like everyone's got their lane. And I'm like, as long as we all stay in our lane and you know, that's where it makes it work better. And uh, or makes it work easier and flow easier. You know, like they used to say before, you know, like Trevor was the business guy, Trevor was the driver, you know, and, um, and so Peter was the one who was getting the, Peter was the one who was getting the, um, the nugs and the band camp and those things up. And so just everyone had their, their lanes and stuck to them. And so that's always, um, uh, that's always a good thing and very important and, and in life and in friendships and everything. People, by the way, boundaries are very
1: important. <laughs> so... super important. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what types of things are you getting into on this break, Sam? And how much longer do you have off? Or you have a couple of weeks still, I hope? Still, yeah.
5: Yeah, we have like about a month actually. Um, yes. So we ramp up in, in mid-September again and then we're pretty much out for the rest of the year. So I'm trying to... Um, you know, I, I moved to Colorado recently, and so just trying to do like day trips from here and see a bunch of music, and um, you know, get up in the mountains. So just a lot of like nature and hiking and stuff to really like. Are you going to see fish? Reset. Are
1: you going to fish? Yeah, I'm going go nice. to go fish, and
5: yeah, it'll be my first fish show actually. Really? Just. <laughs>
1: no it's not just you Lex uh, I think it's mm-hmm. a unique thing about goose bands is that they, they're huge fans of a jam band but don't know very many other jam bands so yeah um, I think it's a great cross-pollinization um all right Lex I know you had some round-robin questions for Sam I, before you let her I go I do
3: so I another question since you're listening to music uh were you able to make it to um who was it the other night that was there uh Oh, Navi, pretty, lights. Pretty, pretty lights. Pretty lights. Yes. Now, I,
5: mean, I wanted to be No, I had, um, I just got back from Italy, like last, so I missed the ones that, um,
1: Dylan.
3: at
5: um, at, I, w- I should have gone to Dylan. I do regret not going to Dylan, but I missed the ones in, in Denver at, um, what was that venue? The, the Mission. 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 Yeah. Mission, but I saw yeah. it was amazing.
3: But I'm sure you were exhausted at that moment. You know, you're just like the exhaustion takes over and you're just like, oh, you know, and then later you're like, dang it, I should have gone. So, um, uh, so, OK, so just a few round robin questions just to learn about you and not, you know, not just you and the band. And um, so uh, let's see, we've already gone through those. So what is your favorite genre of music? And you told us earlier that jam bands, you know, that Goose was, like, your first. So we know so jam bands was not your favorite coming in. It was not your favorite um, genre of music. So what is your favorite genre of music?
5: I did The jam band has has grown on me, definitely. And I, I think, like, I also, because um, I went and, d- and helped Rick with all the um, Phil Lesh and, like, all oh, the dead stuff. And we've done so much dead stuff that I've... You know, been surrounded by that music, Christmas and so I think would like,
1: have been fully immersed. <laughs> for
5: sure. Yeah, and so I think now I do like that a lot more, and and also just like working with, you know, like working in this scene and where there is so much focus on instrumentation has like given me a respect for that in any other genre. So you know, even going to live shows where, you know, in the past I wouldn't really pay much attention to like a guitar solo or whatever. Like I'm a lot more tuned in with that. Um, right. But I think like my my personal favorite is just kind of like indie like indie rock kind of stuff like that I like to go see like I think I like my favorite bands are like Mount Joy and Camp and like people like that that are kind of just like nice like indie vibey. Chill. Vibey. Yeah, yeah. vibe yeah mm. vibey music
3: chill vibe yeah that's so awesome um so uh what so what's your favorite band did I ask that one
5: um yeah i mean i like like mount joy and camp who i mentioned there's this like up-and-coming band out of um they're out of montana they grew up in colorado springs i think called richie mitch and the coal miners and they're like my i love them right now they're great yeah, i'm gonna um,
3: have to ch- write
5: yeah. this down richie rich richie mitch richie mitch okay they kind of like similar to camp mount joy vibe but yeah that's kind of like I like to listen to that kind of
2: that kind of stuff. I've been listening yeah. to a lot of Mount Joy lately, and they're coming to
5: St. Louis soon. I'm like, ooh, should I go? So, they're a great fun. live show. I'm they're playing Red Rocks this week, so I'm going to go see them. Oh, they they're an awesome show. <gasps> So lucky,
3: you know, Red that. Rocks just, and that's so cool just to be like, oh yeah, this band's coming around. I'm going to Red Rocks, <laughs> you know, what a joy, what a blessing. That's so, that's so awesome and a way to help keep balanced And, um, and so let's see, uh, ladies, y'all, any other questions? I mean, I have no, more, I, I was just, trying
1: do you? When you go to shows now that you've, you know, been running this huge machine, do you look at it from a tour manager's eye? Is it easy to kind of break that uh, when you're going to mm. shows wherever you go, especially venues that you've managed, uh, you know, bands performing at? What's that like sort of switch?
5: Yeah, I mean, there's, the, I, I can't be in really crowds anymore, like tight crowds. I just, I think just like seeing it from the other point of view, I, that's like something that, it, you know, it's unfortunate because I used to do it all the time, but I just like can't really do that. And I think going to a show, like I pay a lot of attention to production and, you know, yeah. like how they're hanging things and how the sound <laughs> is like, if the sound is not like, if I'm not in the right spot listening, like it'll bother me, you know? So it's like yes. those things, but I can definitely disconnect it to like, really enjoy a, really enjoy a show. I love that. Um, I didn't realize you're from
4: Cincinnati. The crew that I go to shows with, we're the Cincy Trash crew. Um, we have pins and slaps and stuff like that. So um, you don't have to wear it if you don't want to, but next time I'm on the road seeing goose, I'm going to try and get a pin to you that says Cincy Trash Crew.
5: Yeah, <laughs> sweet. Yeah, me and Jeff is also actually from Cincinnati, which is like originally he was lived there for like two yeah. years. So we have like a running... Cincinnatians up the road, which
4: is fun. So <laughs> Ohioans are everywhere. I'm from Columbus originally, uh, but my best friend is from Amelia, Ohio, so that's why I'm always in Cincinnati these days. So
3: yeah, yeah, oh, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so do you think? Okay, so we're talking about traveling, and um, and those are things that that you've loved to do. Do you also think that traveling has helped? Uh, You know, because we both know traveling internationally or we all know traveling internationally that, you know, that there's a lot to learn and you are learning it quickly. You know, there's no there's no way that you can look everything up and figure it out. You're just thrown in the moment and you've got to figure that out. Would you say that that is something that has definitely helped your being a tour manager um, of just, you know, Having to figure it out being in, cause you're just in Italy and doing things. And, you know, yes, you plan your day to go this way, but. We all know in Italy, it's not going to go. It's not going to go this way. We're going to try for it to try for it to go the best as possible. And as Americans, we don't realize that other countries actually do take time to give themselves mental health, mental health breaks and, you know, get a little nap, get some good food and, and that. And so do you think that you're traveling and those things have also helped benefit you being a tour manager?
5: Yeah. I think that, you know, going and kind of experiencing different cultures and like understanding people do things differently and being like more open to, you know, how someone else operates and the pace of different things in other countries is like, not only helps when you're going international, like with a band or just, you know, personally, but like helps day to day and like interacting with different people. Cause you know, there's even like you were talking earlier east versus west coast and like the south it's like people just do things differently in different areas mm-hmm. even of the u.s and so i think like going and getting world experience and like for anyone in any job is like helps you be able to work with different people in like your day-to-day in general and yeah i mean for sure like going and being thrown into europe and realizing airports do not work the same over there and trains <laughs> do, you know trains all yeah. that and yeah. you're like okay you, you just realize that like I would never have a layover less than two hours for a band in like any European city where like here it's like an hour, you know? So it's like, you just, the more experience you have in the world, you can like, you know, relay that into travel for work as well.
3: Right. I've been trying to, um, I lived in France and, uh, so and uh, and studied, I lived in France and went to, um, went to, oh, I can't remember the little town in the Netherlands. And, but there were just so many differences. And so I've been trying to like, tell, you know, tell the fans that are going to Europe and, you know, some are like, oh yeah, we have this much time. And I'm like, I don't think that you understand that you really don't have as much time as you think you have that you're going to be able to do because a lot of people are like oh yeah we're going to take the train we're going to do this I'm like "Uh I don't know if I would only on certain like closer like in England and stuff and that not haha being a you know like a just trying, to, like, I don't know, we might need to do an education show one day <laughs> on like how, you know, cause a lot of, a lot of people haven't been outside the States. And so this will be their, this will be their first time and then navigating it through, um, through things. So this is going to be, uh, it's going to be an awesome eye opener. And I think that was one thing that that was one of the parts of the, uh, long road, um, on Amazon that I was watching last night and them talking about, you know, their, their first trip to Europe and, and how that, how that went. <laughs> and, um, so I think that's going to be a great fun thing to, uh, a great fun thing to watch and to see how it goes and, and um, I know budgets on first things I don't personally know, but I can only imagine I, we build I build bridges and I, on a on a DOT company. So, you know, always having to look at the logistics and making sure this is going to be here on time and this is going to be here on time so that the bridge can actually be built and it, you know, be in price range. And, you um, And so it just, uh, knowing that and knowing it being the first tour over there and so much smaller venues, I can only imagine that, you know, certain, certain things have been cut for certain things to work on, to work on the schedule. And so, um, so I think that all of us with me saying that everyone record their, you know, record everything they can get video, put it into a Dropbox. So for years later that we can have these moments and, um, and look back at it. And cause you know, we don't know, we'll get over to Europe. You, you know, more than we know. And, uh, but it's going to be a fun experience. And are, Oh, another thing just popped into my head what was your favorite show so far this year
5: like a goose show Uh uh-huh um which one (laughs) i think my favorite like moment where was this oh in nashville (laughs) was the april fool's day show (laughs) when uh we had we were like thinking about a prank for like ever and then we finally like sat down i was like oh i have this like funny idea and they all dressed up like each other and like came out and played different oh instruments. Gosh. And so okay. good. I mean that was like probably my favorite moment at a show. But like maybe in my career. It so we was we had, yeah.
1: they <laughs> got, got all, into character. Was it hard to get them to like actually get into they them. were like all
5: <laughs> into it and it was funny because like we were all like kind of upstairs and one would go into the bathroom then come out and everyone would just lose it and then it, it was like when Trevor came out as, as emo Rick and that was like one of the funniest <laughs> moments of my life. So oh my there was like thinking
1: like the hardest thing I was <laughs> like how is Peter not gonna smile like like no expression I just was like did you decide who was going to be who or how did how did that they
5: they did it they kind of decided amongst themselves based on like who felt comfortable playing different things um and then we did the outfits from there and the outfits was like the fun part it took a while to figure out how to get Rick to be bald and I didn't (laughs) working very well but yeah, so it was like uh they all nailed it. Like I was it like kinda they shows did. like how multifaceted and talented all these guys are that they could just pick up a different instrument and like just, go for it. Just like
3: that, you know, yeah. That was that was and I mean like legitly uh, Rick was legitly drumming and that's yeah. why I was like, you know, this is not just been on, been doing Jeff's, you know, and, and backing up for Rick, like, no, Rick was legitly drumming and it was, uh, and that, that was an amazing moment to watch, to be there to, um, for everything. And, um, and then what was the other, uh, oh, there was one other, um,
4: I think it also speaks to how much time y'all spend together because like even the mannerisms and facial expressions, they like, yes. they nailed it. Like, like wait, what's happening right now?
1: That was like a mini roast in each performance. sort of. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, that they each were going to pull out, you know, the, the consistent things of each of their personalities okay. and the, especially the way they are on stage. Cause that's a yeah. specific thing, right? Yeah. It's not just like a... a behind-the-scenes thing, but how do they act on stage, which is...
3: Yeah,
5: everyone kind of has their thing, like the one thing that you could say, and they all, like, pulled on that, and it was, it was really funny. <laughs>
1: That's
3: awesome. I swear, yeah. I have one last question, and then I'll let everyone... I've just hogged this. I'm very sorry. I absolutely think the world of you and have just been... So excited to get your boss bitch on here. And um, so in the lovingest way, possibly, respectfully. But so how did y'all all all keep from losing it with Animal being on the stage? Like, I was waiting, like, just trying to watch, like, you know, um, I wanted to see Trevor, like, was... I I would love to see those side moments that people have of not just like what was on the screen like I would love to see I saw Peter cut up a couple of times Rick was definitely like you know he was definitely cut, you know just like <laughs> just you know grinning and and that was that was all awesome. you could see that Rick was very much enjoying that and that was not one of those like that I've got to rip it. I've got to shred it. Like that we're all enjoying this in the moment. And this is, that was a beautiful moment. And, um, so it's very, very exciting to watch. But then also I'm over here wondering, I'm like, how are they not losing it? Like I'm such a, I would be crying i would be laughing so hard it was it was so awesome and what an honor too, to have animal come on and play animal you know that was really cool was that their idea or was it just a collaboration or how did that go yeah
5: up? it was kind of a collab I, I think that the like the muppets and newport have had kind of like a thing where because they sat in the night before and, and all that but yeah so we i mean honestly like it, it came together and, like, we really didn't know how it was going to go until we had a rehearsal the day of the show. And, and even in the rehearsal, it was, like, yeah, you could say this at this part. You could, like, you know, do this at this part. But, like, I don't know. And so, like, a lot of it was very organic during the performance, which even is, like, was even funnier because, that, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen. And he was just kind of yelling. And it was it was funny because <laughs> that stage is just so tight. and I was Peter, say it's such a tiny, they, tiny
1: stage there.
5: Yeah, before they... <laughs> one I mean it was like riser to riser like everything was touching and right before they go on Peter's like can you get some you know like Instagram stories of animal performing and you know it's a big thing you can't see the performer at all in it so I'm like yeah of course and then I'm like oh I don't know I don't know how I'm gonna do this because it's like there was no space so I was like the whole song trying to like figure out an angle that like you could you could only see you could see him but you couldn't see behind and I ended up just like running out of the pit and you couldn't, so I was like, I didn't even know what happened. I went back and watched the show because I was just running around trying to get a video and ended up like on the side just trying to lean over and get something. But yeah, something. yeah right. it was a really, it was, I think it was like a really like awesome moment for everyone because it was, you know, I, I, I don't think I've that. seen
1: that many people on the sides of a Goose show, but until uh, this show, I was like, whoa, it was like 50 people deep.
5: <laughs> and I also, yeah.
1: remember I saw Padge, um, like peek out with his camera, which you never see. Uh, you just don't. Patch is one of those. He always says to me, like, if you don't see me, that means I had a good night. Like you're not. <laughs> and so it was yeah. funny seeing his head pop over. I was like, oh, this is really special because everybody was just having such a great time up there. Well, Sam, thank you again so much for joining us. Honestly, this has been amazing. Just thank you, thank you, thank you for everything and for all that you do to keep this uh, amazing band on the road and us. <laughs> Happy campers in the audience. We really appreciate yes. it. And hope you have an yes. amazing month off. And we'll see you out in these goose streets for sure.
5: <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having don't, me. That's great don't to, don't yeah. forget,
3: no plans next year, me and you La Tomatina in Spain. <laughs> Seriously, a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so, but awesome, thank you so much. Thank You're you, amazing Sam. and yeah, such an inspiration to all of my daughters are upstairs watching it and they're super excited super duper duper excited. And my youngest, Ara, she's like, I have to meet Sam. <laughs> and um, her first show was at SPAC, and uh, and she was expecting she was gonna get all the treatment like Sky got and Charlotte. And I was like, okay, eight and Charlotte, they were way smaller they you know what they were I mean they were still a great band but it was smaller and I was like and SPAC is the biggest show to date so honey I don't think that you're gonna get the same you know and she's like well as long as I get to meet Sam I really (laughs) I really want to meet Sam Sam King and Sam Ray she's like I really want to meet both of them and I was and she's like and Peter, and, you know, she starts singing, not singing, but saying the rest of them, but I just thought that it was, you know, her first two were women, and, you know, and her was just like, and when you meet her, you'll see, you'll be like, oh, this little, she's a little boss herself, he's, you he's know.
1: spitfire, that one. She's so <laughs> she, funny, too. I love she it. She is, so. All right, I Sam, have a great yeah. afternoon. Thanks again for Thank joining you. us. We're yeah. so blessed and so thankful. Don't, don't yeah. be surprised if we tap you again post Europe, because uh we have to think about I'm behind the scenes of of those shenanigans as well.
5: Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thanks Thank so you. Thank you so Bye. much.
1: Thanks again to Sam King, as we mentioned at the top of the show This is something we've all been really looking forward to Since we even came up with the idea of a Goose Chicks Podcast So um, really a dream come true show day for us yes. uh, Let's get into our regular segments We're going to kick things off with the how did we get down And we wanted to talk about Everything Must Go this week We haven't done it yet um, Everything Must Go debuted October 1st, 2022 It's coming up on a year in Atlanta, Pullman Yards. It's been performed twelve times by Goose and two times by Arrebol. I, when we, ever, we haven't done this like breakdown in a while, so I'm kind of excited to talk about a song. Um, first, like we usually do, a round robin. Like, what do you get from this song? What are the things that kind of stick out for you, Chelsea? I'll start with you.
2: Um, yeah, so I love this song so much and I really want to do it today because we've talked about it in our group chat, like just amongst us. And I think we all have like different, um, thoughts on it just according to our own experiences. And so I, this is really interesting to me, but to me, um, everything must go is, um, kind of, it's really a calming, um, song in the way it's, it sounds, but to me, it's about like going inward, um, like through meditation or some other way to connect with yourself. And like the title, everything must go to me means like releasing past beliefs. So just like letting go of whatever you thought or what you wanted or whatever expectations and just like coming back and coming to yourself and connecting with yourself or something, um, higher or bigger than yourself. So I knew you were going to say expectations, <laughs> um, that a big one, like, yeah. That's a big one I've learned in my life that has actually helped me a lot <laughs> with with my anxiety because now I don't try and control things for an outcome because I don't have an outcome in mind.
1: Mm. Um, cool. So again, y'all, yes, are yeah. were,
2: were we going to talk about lyrics or did you want me? To we learn?
1: are. We'll go. We'll do round and then we'll come back to lyrics. Hannah, okay. what You? What's your big takeaway? Is like you know. Yeah, so
4: I think you know what Chelsea said about the title um, really speaks to me. But then also we talk a lot about how a particular song will hit you a certain way based on what you're experiencing at that time. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of 2022, beginning of 2023, I was breaking up with a long-term partner. And so thinking about everything must go, you know, like all those expectations of what my personal life is going to look like and what things are going to look like for me at this relatively new Quote unquote dream job that I started in South Carolina. Um, And so definitely that song coming out during a a really rough sad breakup um impacted me especially because it is about finding love as well and so this idea that you know okay if i just let go of these expectations and i let go of um, what i thought my life was going to look like with this person i was with for you know six years then um i can still find love in other places and in other ways and maybe that's not even always romantic love um and so like Kelsey from Jive Leaf Design and I, um, we had a special moment when this song played at the cap run. And so she texted me the other day and was like, I'm listening to Everything Must Go. And like, I knew exactly why she was texting me because of that moment we had, so. I
1: love it. Um, Everything Must Go is Drew and my, my, our goose song. So we get very lovey-dovey, especially at the very beginning of like a little ritual we do with each other. And for me, it's such a song about connection and a deep desire to stay connected, even when that's not an easy thing to do, and so that's one of the things that I always take from this song. Every time I hear it, it's like you know, pushing through um, when it's not easy to stay connected, but being committed to that connection nonetheless. And you know, you're right; it can, can doesn't have to be about romantic love. It doesn't even have to be about love with anybody else. It could be about self love as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but that it's present and it's something that you're actively working on. Um, unbelievably uh we were there the first night it was played and I've been on the rail for 10 of the 12 times that Goose has played this song which is weird because somebody else was talking about how like oh um they haven't heard it a lot and I'm like I feel like I hear it all the time and then oh, when okay. I looked at the numbers I was actually Michael Basie was like you've seen it a lot it's not <laughs> that common, just happened to catch uh, that song quite a lot, so um, yeah. And they play it for you and Drew. They do. They play <laughs> it all the
4: time.
1: I feel very That's funny. right. They love y'all. They I, they do, guys. They love y'all
3: so much. It is so sweet, and I absolutely love it. And um, yeah, so everything must go is y'all song.
1: Yes, it is our our song, and it's because it was like that was the the night Michael Basie told me about that secret thing where if Rick's guitar is missing, we're probably gonna get a, a first time played. And that night, we walked into Pullman and he like hits me, and he's like. Rick's guitar's not there. We're probably going to get a freshie tonight. And then they played Everything Must Go that night. So I've been, it was just like, I already was like hoping for a new song. And then this was the song that played. It was just like everything coming together, like so many other magical um, goose moments. Lex, what about you? Like, what did you think about the song when it first came out and what do you take from it?
3: So I was with you. I was there um, when it premiered, and um, I've had different, you know, different views going back and forth on it. And as I was, I love that song, I absolutely do. Um, and as we all know, I've had a lot of emotional, a huge emotional roller coaster. Who knows where I'm on it at the day, you know, health wise, um, emotion wise, with my sister and. Um, so i feel even even i feel that this is love and that this all is love and um and i feel that this is for me an inspiring um an inspiring song that um everything you know not everything stays here that uh, that everything must go and we don't know when that time will be and i know it doesn't have anything like this but in it. But to me, it also is, um let's see, can you imagine a universe, or all that you can imagine, a universe with a view, almost like you can have it, a, a getaway for you. Um, this is love, sweet signal from above, warms my brain, and now I've a, I'll never be alone. So for me, the way that I take this, and y'all, you know that I take my sister's ashes with me everywhere. And to me, this is a I'm still not going to be alone like those little, those times that I feel her she is with me she and I know that she is with me a lot and so for me this is um this is mine and her song you know like that we are always going to be together that just because that, that separation you know that we're not physically here side by side I believe in angels. I believe in spirits. I believe in that. And I believe that she is my angel spirit that is here helping guide me. And, um, and that even things that must go, that we still can be together and that we can still have, find those ways to, to be together. And, um, and also let things, you know, we've got to let, the bad go to have the good in. And so there are certain things that we do have to let go, even though that that's devastating that she's not with us, that she's not with me, but she is with me. Yeah. So I don't know. Sometimes, you know, my Empress, the Empress over no, here. No, I she love is, this. Actually, like,
1: It's funny because I'm going to turn to Chelsea next to talk about lyrics. Cause I think there's a lot of synergy in what she's going to talk about and what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, So Chelsea, I'll turn to you. Lyric, lyrics and what what you pick from them.
2: Well, yeah, I think what Lex is saying, that's pretty much what I'm talking about is that to me, it's about connection and connecting with something bigger than yourself or your your higher self or your angels or whatever you believe. Um, But I think that's important. And like you said, the never, I'll never be alone again. Um, That's just talking about that connection. Like you're, even when you feel alone, you're really not alone. There's, something there guiding you, um, something bigger you can connect to. But the lyrics that I, um, I think a lot about meditation with this song. It just reminds me of like when you meditate, kind of um, how you feel. And so uh, part of the lyrics that I focused on a lot with that is uh, when they says a future when you need it, you can teach these lights to dance, finger on the trigger, you've got magic in your hands. Um, and to me, that's about manifestation. Mm. And you're, I mean, you have the power to manifest what you want your life to be. Um, you're That's connecting to your higher self. Like you have the power in your hands, the magic, um, a future, you know, talking about manifestation, picturing something. Um, you can teach these lights to dance. Like you can make anything possible that you want um, to be in your life. You have that power. So I think- Um, for me, a lot of it goes back to that manifestation meditation. Um, and, but really it's just about connection. Like you said, Leslie, with anything, a person, yourself, um, and just believing in yourself. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hannah, how about you? Lyrics that stuck out that you wanted to highlight?
2: Um,
4: Yeah, so Lex already um, pointed out the one part that just really speaks to me as far as like the breakup that I mentioned. So I want to talk about something else. Um, First of all, we love Ted Honks and everyone who contributes to that. That's usually who we'll look at whenever um, whenever we're looking at lyrics to analyze and all that. Um, but there's a point where, um, in the song, you know, you say you want to live forever, play a little game with me, that part. And I love that part of the song. Um, but the way that they have the lyrics on Ted Honk and like, they even say like, these are unofficial or unconfirmed lyrics. Um, they say, uh, walk a little, take your spin, let it out, let it in. It's a legend. And I swear when I hear this and I've listened to multiple versions and played this little tiny section on repeat before, especially gearing up for, um, well, I did that when I first saw the unconfirmed lyrics go up on Ted honks. And then again, preparing for this episode. And I swear y'all, I think that it's, um, you say you want to live forever, play a little game with me, buckle in, take your spin, let it out, uh, let it in. It's a legend. So I, I don't think know it
2: is. It is okay. I'm I'm with you on that. I okay. think so.
4: And like, I mean, I know that's just like, you know, uh uh nitpicky, or not nitpicky, like I don't it's know. Not it's not like,
1: nitpicky, it's just we haven't even been able to confirm. I want to shout out Garrett Dorfman right now because he was the one who asked Rick for the lyrics to Thatch at the right. Osiris event. And I was like, Give me that. Let me take a picture. Yeah. Like, who would think Milo believes was that first line? But that is the that is the lyric. And so I think, right. like, one, hopefully this will be on the album. Um, everything must go. Um, <laughs> uh, and we'll get some lyrics and some official um, data behind the song. Like, you know, once they release an album, we get. Uh, we get a lot more info that they have to submit um, to go on, on to streaming platforms and things. So I'm hopeful that maybe this year we'll get it on, on you know, recorded and a studio version of it, which I'm just excited generally to hear what they do with it in the studio, you know, with, you know, so much. We've heard it all only live and it's amazing song. And Trevor gets that amazing solo. So I'm just interested to hear how it'll play out in the, in the uh, recording studio to bring this particular track to life. For me, like this, you know, y'all know I call some goose songs gospel songs, and this to me is one of their gospel songs for sure. Um, my favorite lyric is um, all that you can imagine, a universe with a view. I just love mm-hmm. the visual um, aspect to the song. You know, the lyrics are so, like so many things you can really visualize what's, what's being talked about. And then just the idea of warm warms my brain. Um, I don't know, there's something really kinetic about that imagery again and I'm like wow you know is that what that feeling is like does your brain actually feel warm what does that mean metaphorically and what does it mean physically for each of us as well um right. and so yeah that, those are the lyrics that stick out to me and um
3: yeah okay. I, I definitely think they're spiritual I, I think the Rick does an amazing job of being able to uh, Rick and I—I I think it was Rick that wrote this song. Um, I don't want to dis, you know, if Matt or
1: maybe who this is a this is a Rick song, but maybe okay. he wrote a whistle. But I think it was just him.
3: Okay, so but I think it is just an amazing thing of how he is able to put all spiritual spiritualities into it so you know no matter what religion no matter what spirituality no no matter if you come from from none that you can still speak this that you can still feel this that it can still fill your cup and you don't even realize that that's what it is and but we all need that spiritual positive you know feeling from the feeling from the brain and Leslie wasn't it you or who was it that was with me or maybe it was jason one night
1: or or was it talking about the chakra like um oh that was when we had we were talking about the yoga of goose and like that rick's lyrics so often will turn itself to imagery and you know words and phrases and even like he talks about your spine so often and so many of his lyrics, same thing, like just like things coming through your spine and what that looks like. So I think this is one, that's why I said it, it, it falls under that list of Goose songs that are really deeply spiritual for me because of that stuff. Right. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Goose Talk. Lex, run a show. We got a Goosemass run a show that came out. Um, okay. So, sorry. Got to get got to get to my stuff. Um, where am I? Where am I?
3: At? So at Goosemass, uh oh, Hold on, where am I? <laughs> Sorry, y'all. That's okay. Um, okay, that was- no, Goose Talk. So we're going a show of Goosemis. Um, Let's see... I don't. I haven't even. Sorry, I haven't looked. Leslie, you want to
1: take that one? <laughs> we just wanted to let everyone know that that we got a new day of show, which was episode twelve of Goose's Day oh, of Show um, videos. Yes. So it's on YouTube right now. Definitely check it out. We'll have it in the show notes. I just thought it was really fun because it was the first one I'd seen that encompassed more than one show day because mm-hmm. it was both days of Goosemas and just seeing the behind the scenes, like with the Santa and everything. I don't know. I just it was so joyful and so fun mm-hmm. to see them. And then I, this was a. First time I've seen the vocal warm up of Jeff um, yes. Rick on on camera. So that was really cool to see as well. Just like them all practicing together. And they
2: were ho ho hoing. They were ho
1: hoing. And that coach as well was really funny. And uh, shout out to Charlie from the Atlantic because he pops up in that video several times because he was like behind the scenes with them during Goosemask last year. So I called him, I was like, Charlie, you're you're in this one. You might want to
2: check this
1: <laughs> yeah. one out because you're very much in there. Um, and just yeah, got me very,
2: so excited for Goosemas. I know,
1: really, same, I was, same. I was like, I was oh like, my God. Oh, this is going to so cool.
2: happen again in a few months. It sure is. It's be right be around is. the
1: corner.
2: All right, Right Jossie, around the corner. It
1: is. Fussy mm-hmm. fan out or spotlight. Over to you.
2: Um, yeah, so today I wanted to highlight um, Sun Ray Love Jewelry by Rachel. Um, so honestly, I've not talked to Rachel, so hope it's okay. We're shouting you out. But um, <laughs> she posted in Goose Chick some amazing bracelets that she makes. Uh, they're metal cuff bracelets. And so they're like copper. And then she puts Goose lyrics in them. So one of them was like, this moment is the only thing you know that would be a bracelet. Um, she also makes like ornaments, sun catchers, and other things with goose lyrics on her Etsy. Um, so check her out. Her mm-hmm. Etsy is Sunray Love Jewelry. Uh, Leslie has it up there on the screen. Are they like, are they like?
4: copper bracelets and they, they're like real simple okay this is yeah. not the first time you have chosen a fan artist that I actually have bought something from but like a long time ago so like when I saw your notes it did I didn't connect that I had but I have a western sun um lyric oh, costume that she made. Oh. So, um, and it's actually like buried with like jewelry that I don't wear as often um but yeah, so thanks for reminding me about that cuff.
2: Um, yeah, uh, I want like all the bracelets are so cute. Um, and I saw like she posted in Goose Chicks about, you know, her bracelets, but someone else had posted like she accidentally sent them the wrong one with the wrong lyrics. Um, and she told him just like keep it. You know, I'll send you the right one and you just keep it. Well, that person was like, I'm going to post some Goose Chicks and see if anyone else wants it and ended up giving it away. So just Mm -hmm. testament to how sweet our Goose Chicks are.
3: Yes. Um, Sharing the love. And how much karma. Like, just remember, I was talking about with someone earlier, like karma is for real, like love, spreading the love, it coming back around. It's so true. It's so real. And it can take months to happen and it can take seconds to happen. Like you do something good. And but let's just try and remind, as Chelsea tells us, to stay Ted. It <laughs> spreads love. Spread love. And even, right. even in your worst of days, Smile at someone, spread love, tell them they have a beautiful outfit, tell them they have a beautiful smile. Like what you see, open your mouth and tell that to them because you have no idea how much that person needs it on that day because I can promise you, no one's spreading love. They're spreading, move, honk, you know, going on different things. So any positive, any positive thing that you have to say, say it and it brings positive positivity to your heart. It brings positivity to others and also say it and don't brag about it later. And then it just helps, you know, helps even more like, you know, just, I don't know. I think it's a great thing. And I think that we should spend a lot more, I think, maybe that's something I'm going to mention every week from now on is don't forget to say your nice thing each day, you know, Mm -hmm. once, one time a day and you would not believe how much it makes yourself feel better. Mm -hmm. And so definitely do that. Meditate and say your one nice thing thing a day. And then who knows it might grow to more than that and just spreading love all over the place. And that's what we need is love in a Mm -hmm. world full of just yelling
4: and, Yelling and yelling and yelling, so Mm. let's spread love. So on that note, Mm -hmm. for people who spread love and joy, uh, for our podcast, Flow Down, this um, time, we are talking about Dropped Among the Crowd podcast. This is a weekly podcast that digs into the music, community, Um, of uh, Umphreys McGee, and so it's by Sarah J, who is always spreading positivity and love, and um, also is very humble, so we love her. We recently did a collaboration with her where we got to talk about the sit-in at Residence. We also... um, we try to meet up with her at um, at summer camp. So we just have, like, different connections with her and are super happy to be able to share her podcast and the work that she does. So definitely, if you like our show, she basically has been doing the same type of setup for Humphreys McGee, only longer. And, like, I swear we didn't steal her template, like, just, you know, when women have great ideas, you know? Um, you know, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're
1: excited. That's going to drop on Wednesday. So be on the lookout. We had a really great conversation with Sarah. Awesome. It was really fun, and we dug into a lot of stuff back and forth about both bands yeah. the sit-in obviously also Ben's going on tour with Unfreeze for this next little bit of time so we talked a bit about that I'm going to see her in Asheville at the is here in North Carolina which is exciting so yeah definitely check that out you can check about out on anywhere that you get a podcast Dropped Among This Crowd um, Sarah also is the um, CEO of Dropped Among This Crowd Media so she has a whole uh, whole, yeah, she's a whole ecosystem badass hostage she is she's
4: a <laughs> Another badass boss, another bitch. bitch. Yeah, yeah,
1: manager. She does. Yeah, so she's she's very accomplished and we're excited to continue conversation with her over there. Sweet. All right. I think that brings us to the end of the show, y'all. We did a good job. Hour and a half, just as we wanted. <laughs> um, follow us on socials. You can check us and follow us on socials at Goose Chicks Pod for updates and more coming up from us. Um, on Thursday, August 24th, we have two, not one, but two live shows that day. The first is at 4 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be making a special announcement with the friend of the show, Michael Basie, something we've been working on for a while y'all don't miss that we're really excited Mm -hmm. about it it's gonna be really fun and um yeah, something for the whole community. And we've been tossing this idea around for, um, since we came up with the idea of the podcast too. So we're excited to finally unveil it for everybody. And then at uh, 7 p.m., we are going to be continuing our Gonna Turn It Up Some series. And we're going to be having the band The Texture's on to talk with us about their music. And it's been really fun doing these um, this series, just talking to different bands. So definitely check us out again, August 24th. Uh, Chelsea, I'll let you close things out.
2: Um, Yeah, and side note on the textures, they're one of the local bands and friends of mine, so I'm super excited about that episode, so everyone, make sure you're there. Um, Ted. Bye, everybody.
5: Bye.
0: Osiris. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians or creatives from chino moreno of the deftones john Gorley of portugal the man to fat mike from no effects and ian MacKay from fugazi and minor threat we go all over the map from fallout boy to slayer peer pleasure has it all check us out now on sound talent media
5: hey this is aaron from
1: no simple road i'm inviting you to come hang out with apple mel and i as we talk with the musicians artists chefs authors and beyond from the world that turns us on we're reaching into the improvisational music scene the psychedelic culture the festival world and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those
3: scenes
5: come join us on the long strange trip over at no simple road